back to my lovely listeners. You are listening to Clarification, the psychology podcast brought to you by me, your host, Claire Adamson, where I seek to make complex psychology topics a little bit simpler, a little bit more applicable to everyday life through telling you stories, through sharing a little bit more about myself and really talking about the things that I see and experience every day. Voice is really the medium that leaves me feeling the most naked. In my voice, you can really hear all the micro expressions and the feelings that I'm sitting with at the moment. So if my voice sounds cracky today, here is your warning. We're talking about things that aren't easy, aren't easy to talk about, aren't easy for me to admit, and being really vulnerable. So as you may know, if you follow me on Instagram, I recently posted how I had been looking for a place to live. My lease ends at the end of July, and fortunately, I'm lucky enough to go on holiday in August, and then in September, I need a place to live. And I'm laughing right now, but have been crying about this because the Amsterdam housing market is like the New York house market or London the house market. And you see those videos on TikTok where people go up to random people on the street and they're like, hey, can you show me where you live? How much rent do you pay? And someone pays like, I don't know, $600 and are basically living in a shoe closet. But it feels like this is the price to pay for living in one of those cosmopolitan international cities because I know I'm not the only one affected by this. So I'm not sitting here too distressed, too upset because so many people are experiencing this all over the world at the same time. The cost of living is going up and cities are just becoming too expensive to live in. So people are choosing to live outside of the city and commute in. But what was really hard about this, not um, on one hand, of course, is the fact that I have to go on my email and my computer. You got to get on your Zoom every day at 10. (laughs) In fact, you got to get on at 9 a.m. because that's when they post new listings. But that's one side of it. The other side of it is actually feeling vulnerable and helpless because I know this is not something that I can solve or fix by myself. I posted about it on Instagram and had to be really real and honest in admitting help, being like, hey, I need you guys to help me. I need you guys to share this post for me. And that was incredibly hard for me to do. I posted it and then I just, you know, closed my phone and begun doing a whole list of things to distract me because posting this and asking for help felt almost like embarrassment. And here we are, circle back to the first episode, dealing with, again, more embarrassment. The difference is, in this instance, I can tell that the embarrassing thing is the societal expectation and pressure to have everything all figured out which I don't and should not subject myself to that pressure to have everything figured out. I was better able to understand these dynamics in a quote from a book that I'm reading. It's called The Spirit of Intimacy by Sobonu Some, and in it she writes, Our fear of being exposed in a culture where everybody else is wearing a mask can be a major obstacle to our reaching out for help. And in this quote, I really understand what it is, is the fact that people are wearing masks, especially online, especially on Instagram. 
it is this perfectly curated shop front where you see all the products on display. And I don't even know how I feel about thinking about people like products, but Instagram certainly makes it feel like you are a product. And everybody shows you the storefront, but not the back where they keep the mops and the brooms and the suitcases because (laughs) we're in between houses here. It's hard to ask for help when you're pretending to be this perfect version of yourself all the time and to reveal that you are in a vulnerable position is taking some courage and it's a common theme in my life that I really do struggle asking for help which is why I wanted to talk about it more in this episode. So let's take this right back to the day one that you were alive. As babies, human beings can only communicate their needs through crying. If a baby needs to sleep, if a baby needs milk, the only way that it knows how to express that is through crying. And what you see is that in some old parenting books, which I hope we have thrown away by now, they used to tell people to let their babies cry it out. So just cry and cry and cry until they stopped crying. But that is so harmful because eventually when the baby stops crying, it just is taking into account the fact that even if it cries, nobody is attending to it. Nobody is caring for it. And so it learns to stop communicating these needs. It doesn't help that also while we are children, we are conditioned with this idea that being selfish is a bad thing. I think about a story where me, my mom, and my dad, and my brother had gone out for lunch, and we went to this restaurant, and the promise was that after we had our meal, we would go to a playground and get ice cream. Um, While we were eating, my mom started to feel sick, and my dad says, we have to go home, your mom is not feeling well, and I throw a fit. I'm like, what do you mean? We were supposed to get ice cream. My world is ending as a seven-year-old. I'm so bothered by this fact that I don't get what I want. And my dad says to me, Claire, you're being so selfish right now. Can you not think of your mom and how she's feeling? And it's not an innate ability to empathize with other people. It takes practice for children to learn that, okay, let me think. My mom is feeling unwell. We want to look after my mom let's all go home, like in order for it to make sense for the child. But you, from this, I learned that, okay, being selfish is bad. And being selfish is almost like protecting your own needs. Sure, it can be detrimental to the fact where you never think about anybody else. But at the heart of it, it is putting yourself first. We're also told that being selfless is good, that, um, You're actually helping people and helping yourself and it's an honorable quality to be selfless. Which is so confusing or it's a contradiction to me because when we look at the word selfless and we literally break it down, it is selfless to be without a self. And more and more, it's like, That's insane. Like, why would you want to be selfless? Why would you want to not consider any of your own needs and put yourself last? That shouldn't be something that is glorified because at the end of the day, that looks like pleasing other people and 
working hard to make sure everybody else's needs are met before you even consider yourself. Don't get me twisted. I'm not saying that being selfless is a bad thing, but it does mean that you are ignoring your own needs and usually with the ulterior goal of just maintaining peace and harmony and ease for other people, even if it means at the expense of your own ease, which is the real problem, sacrificing your own safety, sanity, and peace in order to help other people get their own desires and needs met. So now we have this need and in order to get your need met, if you cannot meet it yourself, you need to ask somebody else to help you. (laughs) And this sounds really elementary, but there have literally been times that I've even been too afraid to ask for something just because I didn't want to hear the word no. Like, I'm genuinely afraid of being told no, that sometimes I'm just not even going to bother asking. Even if it's a small thing, even if the other person, like, what is a no going to do to me? I really, sometimes I'm like, is the no going to pick up a knife and then stab you? It's not. Like, it's just a no. So why do we give this so much power? And I'm thinking to myself, What happens is when you ask for something for someone, you're putting the ball in their court. You're putting, you're giving them the power to say either, yes, they can meet this need or no, they cannot meet this need. And putting someone in power makes you, it makes you feel weak to admit that there's something that you can't do for yourself. And it becomes as if having needs is a bad thing. Because if we think back to the babies in the cot that are crying and crying and crying, or even the children that need extra support, the messages that you're getting and that are reinforced throughout your childhood is that not having needs is a good thing, that you're an easy child to deal with, that you're super simple and easygoing if you don't have needs. So when we applaud children for being so needless and so self-sufficient, you are actually training adults that now do not even know how to ask for simple things because they are under the impression that they're only worthy and valuable of love or acceptance if they don't have needs. And you can see why this is so harmful. So there's another layer to this because I used to think, wow, why is it so hard for me to hear the word no? It's almost physically painful until last year when I learned about my ADHD diagnosis, I was introduced to this concept called rejection sensitivity dysphoria. And rather than giving you the psychological explanation of this, let me tell you a story. Last year, I was dating this girl and for the time that I was at home in Kenya, we were long distance relationship. And one evening, I tried to call her on the phone. The phone rang, 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 rang. She didn't pick. Five minutes later, her do not disturb sign comes on. And um, this is just a setting on iPhones that lets you silence all incoming notifications. And I saw this and I almost threw up. Like, I was weak on my knees. I was like, whoa, what on earth just happened? She and this is my interpretation now, I imagine she saw the phone, sees that Claire is calling, and is like, I don't want to talk to her. 
lets the phone finish ringing and then turns on her do not disturb, um, turns off her notifications. And there's a number of things that could have happened. One, her do not disturb could be automatically scheduled. Or number two, she could have just been busy and turned it on. But in that moment of seeing that fairly neutral stimulus, someone's just doing something on their phone, I felt physically sick. Like my mind just set off into a spiral of all the possible reasons and all the possibilities as to why she decided to silence her notifications. I just felt personally attacked. Like she hated me. Like if she wanted to say, if she wanted to break up with me, she could have said, I hate you. (laughs) And it would have probably had the same effect as the turning her turning on her do not disturb. And from that, I think you can understand that rejection sensitivity dysphoria is a disproportionate reaction to perceived rejection. So I say, I put the emphasis on the word perceived because in that instance, she didn't straight out and decline my call or delete my number or block me. She simply turned on her do not disturb. She just turned off her notifications and yet I had interpreted it as this awful, painful rejection, even though that wasn't what was happening. And, you know, shout out to my ex for giving me a story like this to tell. But in another episode, we could talk about how to deal with this rejection sensitivity dysphoria or even how to protect people from that if you know that that's something that they struggle with. How to say no in a way that doesn't feel as painful for the other person. But what I wanted to talk about today is actually how that rejection sensitivity dysphoria can stop you from even asking for help in the first place. How it can make you so afraid to ask for help for fear of experiencing this rejection that you just never bother to ask anybody for help and just continue to suffer on your ones. Which is really heartbreaking because we're meant to live in communities. No human being is an island. From the food that we eat, from the clothes that we're wearing, from the house that we live in, everything has the touch and the hand and the mark of somebody else who created and supported even getting that product to you. So everybody say thank you to my ex for giving me a story to tell you today. But I want to get into the fact that rejection sensitivity dysphoria, RDS, can be really debilitating and stopping you from ever asking for help in the first place. So I wanted to think with you, with myself, a little bit more on how can we get over our fear of asking for help. I've seen these videos on TikTok where people are doing rejection exposure. And that means going up to random people on the street and asking them for absurd things like, can I please have a menu? And obviously people are going to say no to that. And in that sense, microdosing this rejection from people who you don't know, strangers, um, for really low stakes things like asking for a menu. And in that case, getting you used to hearing no and realizing when I hear this no, nothing in my life is really changing. So that's one possible method. Another thing that you could do is just restoring your faith in the fact that people do want to help you. And that can look like asking 
from your friends and people who you really trust will say yes for really small things like, can I please have a glass of water? Um, Could you please send me a picture of this? Really small things that you know people will comply to and help you out with. And in that case, building up your belief that people want to help you. Another thing to consider is the fact that people like helping other people out. And while it might sound like a selfless thing to do, helping somebody else, it can also be incredibly selfish. While you're not going out looking for people like, oh, who can I help? Who can I help? I mean, you might be doing that. I don't know what you guys do in your free time, but when you help somebody else, you are also reaffirming the narrative in your own head that you are a good person. I'm helping someone. I am a helpful person. And in this case, what that does is it continues to strengthen your positive evaluation of yourself and therefore boost your self-esteem. So even helping someone out isn't necessarily as altruistic and selfless as we would like to believe. So when you know this in your mind, you realize that people do want to help you because it makes them feel good about themselves. These are just a couple things that you can keep in mind next time that you are about to not ask for help from someone because you're afraid of that rejection. And if anything, just preface your question with the fact that I don't really like to ask for help. I'm afraid you're going to say no. Or even prefacing with feel free to say no if this doesn't align with you at the moment. I will find another way to make it work. That way, you can either get the reassurance that, okay, this person is in a position that they can help me, or you get the confirmation that they're not in a position to help you. And you know what? You can live with that rejection because there is somebody out there who wants to help you. You just need to find them. You're not asking for too much. You're just asking the wrong people. It has been clarification time. And I'm going to end this episode with another ask for help. And I'm not expecting any responses, but I really do need help with the marketing and the production of my Instagrammable definitions. (laughs) I noticed that I've been falling behind and almost gave up on that fact because it's a lot to already make a podcast. Now to also cite my sources on Instagram, I'm tired. So this is me asking for help feel free not to respond to that. I probably just won't do them anymore. (laughs) Or if I get a better system, I'll figure out a way to reshare that content because it is valuable. I'm just a little bit overwhelmed. And you know what? It is 10 p.m. It has been clarification time. If you've made it to the end of this episode, leave a pink heart for all my soft-hearted sweethearts who are too afraid to ask for help. I'm sitting in this new amazing podcasting studio with this pink glow just shining on everything. So pink hearts all around for my babes, for my lovers, for my listeners. Thank you and good night.